The portion of God's word that we're going to focus our attention on for a few minutes this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the word of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So they pulled up, they pulled their boats up on shore, and left everything, and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our risen Redeemer. Amen. All right, so I mentioned at the beginning of the service today that we're focusing on work. And and you know that, that work is obviously a huge part of our lives, but maybe you've already begun to pick up on something. I, I wasn't just talking about your occupation. It, it, it's not just that we have a job to earn money to support ourselves and our families in this life. Our, our lives are full of work. I think one of the first things that young people realize when they get their own place, whether it's an apartment or a condo or a townhome or actually a house, is it begins to set in just how much time and energy mom and dad put into taking care of the house. From all the daily chores inside, keeping the dishes clean, keeping clothes clean, keeping things relatively clean to the the long-term chores, washing windows, dusting, vacuuming, maintaining things that are broken, outside, lawn, landscaping, gardens, all the work that goes into maintaining a house. It's a lot. And oftentimes, little ones don't quite grasp just how much work goes into taking care of home. But it's not just occupation. It's not just your home. It's even your hobbies. You ever think about that? You ever think about how much work goes into your hobbies? When I was a kid, my dad and grandpa played golf all the time, and I get to tag along. Nine holes, nine holes, nine holes. We played a lot of golf when I was little. A lot of people think of golf as a recreational thing, and it is. But if you want to be halfway decent, you know how much work it takes? Do you know how many hours you have to practice day after day, year after year. And, and if you're lucky like me, maybe you become average. 
if you like to fish or hunt or garden or read or anything else under the sun. You ever thought about how much work goes into that? If you're a hunter or a fisherman, it's work to, to organize your supplies and keep them where you need them, when you need them. It takes work to, to hone the skills necessary when you're hunting or, or fishing. Gardening, there's so much to know. I, it blows my mind how much there is to know. You gotta know about the soil. You gotta know about the pests. You gotta know about the weeds and you gotta know how to fertilize and how much to water and how much sun and when to start and when to finish. There's so much to know. And reading? Those of you who love to read, those of you who love to just read book after book after book, maybe you forget about it. But if you study a second language as an adult and try to get to the point where you could read recreationally, in that language, whew, that's a challenge. It takes work to learn a language to the point where you, you know it well enough that you can not only make the sounds and, and, and remember what word it is, but to comprehend what you're reading in any manner of efficiency. That takes work. Our lives are full of work, absolutely packed with work. And that is something that jumped out at me in this text that I've never noticed before. I have read this text countless times. I've preached on it many times. I've taught on it multiple times. This is the the text where Jesus calls his first disciples. This is the miraculous catch of fish. I, I wouldn't be surprised if all of you have heard this at least once. Filling the two boats, they're almost sinking. I've, I've focused on the miracle that Jesus performed. I've focused on him calling these men from, from this line of work to that line of work. But I don't know if I've really focused on all the details of work that are in this text. Can I walk you through them real quick? I'll try not to take too long. Verse two. The crowds have gathered around Jesus. They're listening to the word of God. That's wonderful, Right? Jesus looks, he sees these two boats left by fishermen who were washing their nets. I'm guessing that was not the most fun job in the world. And there's a reason these guys have the boats on shore and they're working on their nets when they are. If this was the best time of day to fish, do you think they would have scheduled their day so that they were sitting on shore fixing and cleaning their nets? No, there's a reason that they're doing this work when they are. This is not a good time to fish. It's the heat of the day. And so the boats are on the shore, and they are, are working tirelessly to, to take care of their nets. This is not the, the time when you could go down to Fleet Farm and just buy a new one when it breaks. You've got to maintain it. You've got to take good care of it. This is a lot of work. It's not just picking the weeds off from the last fish. These guys are working hard even after a long night's work. And Jesus stops Simon. He says, Simon, I need a pulpit. Can you stop what you're doing, please? Come get the boat and take me out so I can preach. And Simon graciously does. He takes Jesus out so he's got a better spot to, to preach to the people so everyone can, can hear. And then Jesus says, Simon, let's go out in the deep and let down the nets. <laughs> I just finished cleaning them and... I was out all night, and I'm good at this. It's what I do for a living, and we didn't catch a thing, and we're tired. <laughs> but okay, 
because you said so, I'll do it. And so he goes out and he lets down the net and the miraculous catch of fish. So many that the, the nets are breaking. Can you imagine the work that went in to try to haul these fish in? We're not talking about reeling in the big one and, and it's a 40-minute fight for that one fish. We're talking about nets that are so full it fills two whole boats. This is a lot of fish. And with a lot of fish comes a lot of weight. And they're all in that net one after the other, and then the other guys come and they got to get the net to the other boat without losing it. There's a lot of work going on here. And then finally at the end, Peter throws himself at Jesus' knees. I'm a sinful man. Go away from me. And Jesus says, don't be afraid. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And they leave everything. The boats, the nets, the fish, they don't say, hang on, let me go and, and sell these quick and we'll bring the money along. We can help the church, right? We can, we can help the ministry. Let us bring the money. Nope, they leave it all and they go, not on a vacation, but into a, a different line of work. But still work. So my question for you is, what makes these Christian workers, these followers of Jesus who work, what makes them different from all the other Galilean fishermen who I'm sure were working just as hard, who I'm sure fished all night just like these guys, who I'm sure were cleaning their nets just like these guys, supporting their families, doing whatever they needed to. What makes these guys different? Let's answer that question with another one. So, why do people work? Well, some people work because they need to, right? They, they realize, I have to work. I don't have a choice. If I don't work, I won't have money. If I don't work, I can't take care of myself. I can't feed my family. I need to work. But, would those people who work because they need to, would they work if they didn't need to? What do you think? If you're one of those people who works because you have to, to earn money, if you had enough money, would you work? I'm guessing probably not. Then there's people who work because they're greedy. They love money. And they're convinced that with enough of it, they can find happiness. They can buy the right things. They can buy the right house. They can buy the right toys. They can buy the security. They can buy the life that they've always wanted in their mind. The retirement that, that's the one I want. And they just want more and more money, so they work. If they had enough money, would they work? If the trust fund was big enough, would they work? Guessing probably not. Then there's others who work for honor, for glory. And it might not seem like a bad thing. This is, this is usually your artists, your craftsmen, the people who have to have a name. Their name is their brand. If you're a great artist and nobody knows who you are, who's going to buy your stuff? And, and so the temptation is to, to work, to get your name out there, to go to as many trade shows as you can, to go to as many of, of our wonderful fests in the state of Wisconsin as you can, to get your stuff out there in front of people. And if enough people buy it, and if enough people see it, maybe your name gets big enough that you can actually earn a living. But I, I wonder <laughs> what happens when they 
are, are well enough known that they can just kind of live off of the past. <laughs> Do they still work? Then, of course, there's those people who just love to work. They love it. This is your Harold Peterson, right? The guy who has worked his whole life, two jobs, since he's a teenager. He just retired last week. That's why I'm bringing him up. I was teasing him. You're going to need counseling, buddy. (laughs) Some people just love to work. They love it. They love it. They love it. It just brings joy to them to use their hands, to use their back, to use their mind. And and, In this list I just gave you, they're not all bad things. Sometimes they can be, right? Is it bad to love your work? Is it bad to work hard? Is it bad to earn money? Is it bad to work because there's a need to provide for your family, your children, your spouse? Is that bad? Not necessarily. You could see how it could be. But there are people who are Christians, or at least they think they are, who work for these reasons. And there are people who are not Christians, who do the same things. Here's the difference. You could be the hardest worker. You could make the most money and be the most generous. You you could gain a great name for yourself and be the humblest. And you could love your job, working with joy and passion every single day. But if you don't know the Son of God, it means nothing. Nothing. You could be the best worker, the most respectable citizen. But if you don't have faith in God's one and only Son, you'll spend eternity in hell. We get tricked into thinking that our work can earn us what we want. We get tricked into thinking that by doing it this way, I can earn the life that I crave. But let me ask you something. When you're dreaming about retirement, when you're dreaming about that perfect thing, that perfect moment, that perfect place, that perfect toy, how many of you dream about having a heart attack while you're enjoying it? How many of you imagine it all ending? I bet not a one of you. Because what you crave is not riches that end. What you crave is not pleasure that stops. You don't crave death. And yet you, like me, forget that it exists. And you go about working, whether you're young or old or somewhere in between, you go about working and working and toiling and toiling like you're never going to die. If I pushed you on it, you'd say, yeah, I know I'm going to die. Everybody dies. You'd admit it. But you forget. And you become convinced that if you work hard enough, if you earn enough, if you're generous enough, if you do everything the right way, that you can build a little slice of heaven for yourself here on earth. The problem is that you can't. From an earthly perspective, you could do everything right, but if you don't know God's Son, 
you won't get what you actually crave. Look at Peter. He's got no reason to listen to Jesus, none. He's tired. Jesus is telling him to do it the wrong way. You don't drop a net in the deepest part of the lake in the middle of the day. It's not how you do it. But because you are the one telling me, I will. At your command, Lord, I work. And he lets down his net, and Jesus blesses him with this crazy, miraculous catch. But why did he do it? It's because he knew who Jesus was and is. It's because Peter knew that Jesus was not just another man, not just another teacher. Not a wise guy, not, not the, the Green Bay fishing expert that you ask the night before you go out to tell you exactly where to fish. Jesus was not that guy. Peter knew who Jesus was and is. He was the son of God that his ancestors had been waiting for for so long. He was the promised Messiah that his ancestor David and Moses and Abraham and Adam, they had all been waiting for this guy, the God-man, who was going to come and work every single day of his life perfectly. He was going to perfectly serve his God and Father every single moment of his life, something that you and I don't do, something that Peter hadn't done. Lord, I'm a sinner. Get away from me, he says, right? Jesus came to work perfectly, to actively live every single day of his life flawlessly. It was a part of his working your salvation and mine. So that when he hung on that cross, more work for him. His innocent sacrifice would actually mean something because it was truly blameless. All the Old Testament sacrifices, all those blameless, innocent lambs and goats and bulls, they pointed ahead to the one-time sacrifice of the Son of God who would pour out his perfect life, something he actively earned every single day for the sins of the whole world. Even for workers like you and me who often work for all the wrong reasons. Peter knew the Son of God. And so it didn't matter if he went out and worked all night and earned nothing. It didn't matter if he did it wrong and God blessed him abundantly. It didn't matter if he got the same paycheck that he's gotten for the last 10 years every single time. He knew the Son of God who had come to save him from his sins. And the same is true for you. It doesn't matter if you toil and toil and toil and get nothing for your labor. It doesn't matter if you think you're doing it all wrong and then God just pours blessings into your lap. It doesn't matter if you work and work and work and get the same thing every single time. You will take those lows and those highs and those steady times with a smile on your face because you know the Son of God. And you know that what the Son of God promises you is exactly what you crave. Because he didn't stay dead, he rose from the dead. He defeated sin's greatest consequence, death itself, so that he could promise you a real resurrection where all those dreams that you have (laughs) will actually come true. Where you will actually enjoy perfection, peace, 
joy that won't end. Where all the things that you dream of in retirement, the perfect meals and the perfect moments, that's what you get in heaven. An eternity of peace with God and and happiness that never ends. As people who know the Son of God, you are a different kind of worker because you know the work of Jesus. And so as you work, keep your eyes focused on Jesus' work that promises you that all your failures are, are forgiven, that promises you an eternity of peace is yours. Focus on Jesus' work and blessings as you work. Amen.